Hi everyone, this is JJ Hornblast and welcome to The Roadmap from Auto Finance News, the nation's leading news source on automotive lending and leasing. This is our weekly wrap for May 10, 2021. Uh, before we get into our discussion, I want to thank Auto Finance News advertisers, DeFi, OneSpan, Westlake, Alpha, and State National for their continuing support. So thank you to them. Pleased to be joined by Joey Pizzolato, the editor of Auto Finance News, and Amanda Harris, associate editor um, at Auto Finance News. Good to see both of you. First, uh, some uh, general economic news. Investors have poured a net $39 billion into municipal bond mutual funds this year through Thursday. That is the most over the same period since 2008. More than 30 venture-funded tech startups with valuations of more than $150 million that have announced a deal with a special purpose acquisition company or SPAC uh, did so within a year of receiving PPP tax taxpayer-funded forgivable loans designed to help small businesses pay their employees through the pandemic. And finally, uh, analysts at Wedbush Securities say that Tesla is on track to comfortably top 200,000 units delivered in this second quarter, despite chip shortages and production issues across the automotive industry. In recent days in the auto finance industry, we've had um, some uh, more earnings announcements and uh, they portend to uh, our discussions uh, that will take place starting tomorrow at the Auto Finance Risk Summit Let's start with some of the basics um, and highlight the earnings at uh, Cap One and Santander Consumer USA. Uh, what did we see at those important auto finance uh, providers? Sure, um, so I'll jump in on those. Um, so both Cap One and SCUSA really saw you know, pretty strong Q1 performance. Um, that's really in line with what we've been seeing at most of our you know, lenders that we follow typically during earnings season. Um, Cap One really saw auto originations bounce back. So if you remember in the fourth quarter, Cap One kind of had like an oddball quarter almost where um, you know, originations really dipped quite a bit by 18% sequentially. But by their first quarter, things have kind of come, come back up. Uh, so they saw a 20% increase from last quarter and 16% increase year over year. Um, and that's really more in line with what we saw the first three quarters of 2020. Um, so that's really, you know, they've done really well um, and coming back in the first quarter there as well. Uh, credit performance still really strong. Um, we know consumers are still fairly propped up, um, even though deferrals and things like that have really kind of ended 
um, or in the process of ending for most consumers, they're still you know, really good with the delinquency rates and that charge off rate. So same thing there. Um, and then SCUSA also saw originations go up. Um, they saw an increase of about 16% from last quarter and 24% year over year, um, driven a lot by Chrysler Capital loans, um, which actually went up 40% year over year. Um, so when you kind of break down their originations a little bit, you can see where that's really kind of being propped up some there. Um, How did these numbers compare to kind of pre-pandemic numbers? Uh, are they even, uh, do they exceed the 2019 uh, numbers? So several auto lenders just in general have started to see their numbers actually be better than pre-COVID. Um, I know Ford comes to mind. They had some of their strongest quarters recently. Um, so they are starting to see, you know, that really outpaced 2019. And so to be fair, kind of a more fair comparison would probably be to look at 2019 and then the first quarter of 2021, because, you know, 2020 was a very odd year. Um, but we are seeing large year-over-year -year increases. We're also seeing increases sequentially. Um, and we're starting to see more numbers look like that 2019 level or better. Um, so they are coming out of this in even stronger position in a lot of ways. Um, given that there are still a lot of challenges, you know, supply and, and manufacturing, like you mentioned, is still a huge challenge to their numbers um, because even though demand is there, the cars just aren't there yet. Um, inventory is still a big concern across the industry. Uh, so we are seeing that kind of still maybe hold us back, even though we're seeing all these high numbers. So if we had the cars, it would be even probably even crazier. Um, and I think a lot of that's just pent up demand and people want cars right now. We're still seeing that consumer demand and not wanting to, we kind of talked about this last week, but not wanting to, you know, use public transportation. People want their own cars, people want bigger cars. All of that's kind of playing out in all of these earnings that we're seeing. When we launched the Auto Finance Risk Summit for the first time, uh, this was during the credit crisis. And so at that point, the, 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 the predominating risk factor was really tied into credit quality and liquidity. I mean, really liquidity. That was that was the that was the main driver. It sounds like to me that we're saying that now, uh, as we um, approach the the auto finance risk summit, which will start uh, tomorrow, we are saying that the greatest risk factors rest in the in the pent up demand and the reciprocal dynamics uh, that may result from pent up demand getting realized uh, to a significant degree. Do you both agree or disagree with that statement? So yes, um, but I think that's only part of, of really where the risk factors lie. I think. I think what we're seeing now, what we've been hearing from you know our speakers um, in you know our, our prep calls and things, is is that a lot of the risk really is kind of in in enterprise and operational risk, um, you know, not so much you know credit quality. There, you know, charge offs are supposed to normalize, you know, even on an upside forecast. Um, 
so, you know, everyone's kind of keeping that in mind, but really I think the, the main thing is, you know, understanding how COVID has, has changed um, everything, you know, at work from home dynamics, um, you know, that was a risk factor to begin with, but now, you know, looking back at, at new kind of operational, um, you know, changes, is it a hybrid? What sort of, you know, kind of risk factors that do, do lenders have to take into account when, when thinking about how things have changed in the long term? You know, the rise of, um, you know, digital and remote lending. Um, that's, I don't think that that's going away. And I don't think um, the industry thinks it's going away. So, you know, managing, managing how the industry is going to be changed in the long run, um, I think is going to be top of mind, uh, you know, in the next, in the next two days. And obviously, you know, not just in the next two days, but, you know, for the next year or so? I think one of the tangible uh, facets of risk control, obviously, is, is allowance for credit loss. For, for both of you, what's the sense that this reduction in allowance is on point, or is, it, is there a feeling that maybe these reductions are coming at too great, uh, uh, too fast a pace, or too great uh, at too great a clip. Uh, what's your What's your feeling? So you know, I have always been saying, you know, for however long now, I can't even remember that I believe delinquencies are going to rise, and as we go week to week and month to month, they're still kind of remaining well below pre-pandemic levels. Um, and as I mentioned a little bit ago, like upside forecast really just has them normalizing kind of to pre-pandemic levels without an additional spike. And what we saw over the last couple, three quarters was lenders really padding their allowance and their provisions. Um, so I think, I think since, like you mentioned, we don't have a liquidity liquidity concern in in this in this specific recession i don't think it's it would be hard for lenders to continue to pivot i mean again over the last three quarters they they stacked their allowances pretty quickly and at pretty dramatic rates um because of that because of their liquidity standing and and i think that that with that not being changed currently i think that you know any kind of you know rise in unemployment that, that would come from, say, you know, a spike in inflation could be easily, um, you know, reacted to or, you know, proactively um, reacted to without, without any, you know, real hit to, to, to the book. Yeah, I, I think um, I would just add that I, I do agree with that. I think we saw really big uh, jumps in ACL and stuff like that when the pandemic hit. Um, and I think that right now, all the pullbacks we're seeing are really them kind of Going back to maybe their normal, you know, risk appetite, things like that. I think they just added so much because they were, you know, very worried about what was going to happen. Um, and then we know the industry bounced back faster than expected. And we know like vehicle prices are still just insanely high. Um, so there's a little bit more money to be made, I think, um, there as well. So I do think that with everything going on, they're just looking at it as, you know, things aren't as bad as we prepared for. Now we can kind of get back to business as normal a little bit. We talked about how the first quarter really showed just crazy growth. And, and it's not just one or two lenders, it's across 
almost all the lenders that we typically, you know, follow in earnings season, really seeing these big jumps, both sequentially and year over year. And like I said, even better than pre-pandemic levels at some of them. Um, so I definitely think it's more of a, you know, we prepared for the absolute worst and we really didn't get that. So now we can prepare for bad, but our normal level of bad. So yeah, it's kind of I want to put that capital to work. Yeah. Well, that, that was actually the, the, the point I was going to uh, raise, which is, you know, it, it's interesting that, again, as I mentioned, uh, the risk summit was started when there was a liquidity crisis. Um, I, I wonder what the ramifications of over liquidity is. And that's, I think, uh, a fair way to describe the current market. Uh, the uh, there is so much capital floating around and available uh, that, uh, you know, what does that, how, wh what kind of alternative risks end up coming into the market? Or, or is that just sort of not necessarily uh, a risk factor to consider? Well, I mean, I, th I think you definitely have to consider it. Um, but in, like you mentioned, um, that lenders are overcapitalized because they set aside so much money for the worst case scenario, like Amanda said, and, you know, that hasn't played out yet. So now it's kind of time to, you know, rebalance, you know, their, 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 their balance sheet um, to, to, to put, put that money to work. Um, we are seeing, you know, really strong um, returns on, on autos um, driven by low interest rates, um, high recovery rates, again, by the used vehicle value. So, so you know, right now is a good time to continue to, to put, reappropriate um, some of that, some of that liquidity um, into, into something that would, that would garner some returns. And another side of that is why would they not right now when they're not having to do these large incentives, they're not having to do, you know, all those things to sell cars. People want cars. We know demand is huge right now inventory is still tight. So any cars they have, they're going to get out the door fairly quickly um, from everything that we're seeing. So it, it would almost make no sense not to, you know, capitalize on that right now when, when they know that, hey, if we try to sell cars, we're probably going to sell cars um, and we're going to make these amount of money on them. So we're now seeing a lot of those kind of, a lot of lenders kind of jump in, you know, and take advantage of, of this kind of crazy market situation we're in now. Um, so I think that's part of it too. You know, there, there is that economic principle of, uh, you know, when you have money in your pocket, you tend to spend it. And when you don't have money in your pocket, you tend to not spend it. No matter what your, your income level is, uh, the more free capital that you have at hand, the more likely you are to spend it. And, and, and that's why I wonder whether, you know, from the consumer standpoint, this over liquidity, and, and there, there is over liquidity you know, economy-wide at this point with uh, the employment, the unemployment rate declining and so on, you know, are, are, is, the, is the American consumer going to end up overextending through autos, which is a, a reasonable place to overextend? Um, so, you know, remains to be seen because, uh, you know, Amanda, when you have a circumstance where cars are being sold without incentives, that means that the uh, the cost basis for those cars is higher. Uh, they're paying, 
consumers are paying more. They're not getting the discount uh, off those cars. And, and therefore, from a household balance sheet standpoint, uh, they're, they're more stretched out. It might not appear that way today because there's so much liquidity, but maybe over uh, a relative short term, that might become more apparent and end up uh, causing some, some risk problems over a longer period of time. I think you bring up a great point. Um, you know, we are seeing consumer spending going up. Um, and I, I would imagine if, you know, most people like myself, there's probably a lot of pent up demand for travel and that's a high, a high dollar kind of, kind of spend, right? Um, so there are a lot of a lot of variables still, and you know, not to mention add kind of an inflation scenario to that, um, which hurts the consumer, you know, more directly than say you know an auto lender. Um, you know, th there's still a lot a lot of unknowns that that could you know bring up new heightened risk factors that the that I think the industry um, is aware of, and and you know we'll be keeping an eye on into yep. through the next year. Yeah, and we'll, we will talk about it this week. Um, so that's, uh, uh, for all our listeners, that's, that's, that's your preview uh, for the Auto Finance Risk Summit. We hope you'll join us uh, tomorrow and Wednesday for some great sessions. And um, we'll have coverage uh, of the Risk Summit uh, throughout the course of the week. Um, of course, uh, please rate the podcast on your, um, on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn and, and certainly uh, visit us at autofinancenews.net for more industry news. Thank you for joining us uh, for this episode of The Roadmap. We'll see you next time.